Hey, this is Jacob. We want to welcome you and thank you for listening to the EFGC podcast. We pray today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Make sure to comment and share so that we can impact our community with the truth and the power of the gospel. Now let's go ahead and get into the message. I'm going to ask Jacob and Beth to come and stand by me for a second. I'm so excited, so honored, so thankful to be asking my baby brother to bring the word of God today. And I just wanted to take a moment to brag on these two. They have been such an awesome, awesome help to me. And you might not know what a blessing they are to this church, but from asking them to go grab me coffee this morning to asking them to bring the word of God today when I've been gone for a week, they are literally willing to say whatever we need to do for the harvest, whatever we need to do for the kingdom of God, whatever we can do, we say yes. We say yes, and they are such a blessing to me. They're a blessing to you, but I'm believing for God to move in this place as he brings the word through Jacob today. Can we give them just an honorable hand clap this morning? And why don't you just stretch your hands toward them today, and we're just going to pray over them. God, today we pray that you would use Jacob and use Beth, use their marriage, use their yes, God, for to further your kingdom. But today, God, we pray for an anointing over Jacob's life as he brings the word. God, we pray for the Holy Ghost to take over, and today for this word to go forth. We know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. So stir up our faith today, build our faith today, strengthen our faith today, and for every heart in this place, we prepare our hearts right now as the seed is planted as the seed goes forth for it to bear fruit and for it to change us to mold us to strengthen us and God we're expectant this morning it's in Jesus name that we pray amen if you're expected this morning why don't you give God one more hand clap of praise today are you hungry this day today I asked if you would stand up one more time Uh, I want to read a scripture and I want everybody to stand while I read this scripture because I feel the Lord in this place. But it's in Joshua 4. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take of yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take of yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take one up, take stone, one stone up according over his shoulder of the 12 tribes of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? You shall answer them. And and say that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall forever be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. You may be seated. When Mariah asked me to preach, I knew exactly what I was going to preach on, but I didn't really know how I was going to preach on it. I didn't know what scriptures I was going to preach on. But as I was studying this week and pursuing God in prayer, this scripture came into my mind. And I really think it illustrates what the point I'm trying to get on. And the whole point of this story is the Israelites crossed over the Jordan, and it was a major win in their, in their army battle. But the Bible told them, God told them to go back and get stones and bring them out and be a memorial. So when times and trials and other situations and challenges came up, they could say, no, God delivered us from the Jordan. These stones are memorial so they can stand on it. 
And what's really been burning in my spirit and burning on my heart is I feel like I see the church growing these people up, and you see people going to church, and then people fall away. And I, wondered, I kept wondering myself, why are people falling away and some people aren't? And I think the Lord spoke to me because some people have stones in life and some people don't. And today I really want you to leave this service, not just any normal service, but I want you to leave hungry for a stone. And today when I'm talking about those stones, is there's, a, there's three steps to getting that stone. And really what a stone is, is it's, it's a testimony. And I want to read a scripture from Revelation 12, 11. And it says, they overcame and conquered him talking about Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, for they did not love their life and renounce their faith, even faced with death. And so that's talking about two things that put together overcame Satan, and those two things were the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So the number one testimony, which is a stone, the number one stone you need in your life is the cornerstone. Amen? And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. If you don't have that stone in your life, none of the other stones matter because all the stones are built off the cornerstone. And if you don't have the only one Jesus Christ cornerstone in your life to stand, for, to stand firm in the challenges of life when people come and talk to you about bad things, because that's a lot of people like to talk about is bad things, right? You get in a table and people go around and say, hey, I had this heart happen to me. Well, my dog ran away. Well, this happened to me. Well, you can stand up and say, I used to struggle with that until I met my Lord Jesus Christ. And now I have the cornerstone. And when you have that stone in your life to look back on, the challenge that you face ahead of that time don't seem so big. And I was thinking back on my life of, of the times in my life when I've had a, a touch from God or an encounter God from a stone in my life. And I think when you see, when you have those times when you see somebody healed miraculously, when you see a demon cast out of somebody, you think it would, you think it would, some people, you, you have that and you're like, how do people fall away? Well, they don't have that in their life. They don't have that time to look back on and go, you see that touch of God and it's undeniable and no, this is real. This isn't just some religious game we come and play and go on a Sunday to make our wife or to make our husband happy, to make our family happy. But this is a thing we do because we de our life depends on it. And in John 14, 11, Jesus says, or at least believe because of the works you see me do. And this is another, goes along with that point is Jesus was saying, believe me because I'm the son of God and I tell you that. But even if you don't, you see these miracles that I'm doing, believe it on me at least for those. So when you, Jesus, when you see Jesus do something like this, a miracle, because there's going to be miracles in this, in this room today, I can feel it in the spirit. And today I just want you to ask yourself, if you're sitting in this place and you don't have the cornerstone in your life, or if you did have the cornerstone in your life and you removed it from the trials of life and it fell away, I'm going to have a time at the end of the service of an altar call, and I want you to give your life back to Jesus and put that cornerstone back in this place where it needs to be, because without that, there's no hope. And so my title and message, Forgetting That Touch of God, Forgetting That Stone in Your Life, you could title it. Have expecting an encounter that empowers. And I really think that that's what we need. We need an encounter with God, but you have to expect an encounter that empowers. And so the first part of that is expecting. And I want you to really get this into your spirit is what you expect is what you get. And if you would turn to Mar Mark chapter 5 with me. And this is a really famous story. It's about the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and still was no better, but rather grew worse. 
When she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. For she said, if only I be touched his clothes, I may be well, may be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing that himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Peter said, who Peter asked, you asked who touched you? And Thomas says, Lord, I doubt you're going to find out who touched you. And Judas said, Lord, make sure you have your wallet still. Did they steal your wallet when they touched you? All right, that didn't go over very well. But continuing reading. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, and this is what I want you to get, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You see, Jesus didn't say you're healed because I'm the son of God. He didn't say I'm the one who can heal you and that's why you're healed because you came in contact. He said your faith has made you well. And the thing about ex ex expecting is you have to have faith. And I think a challenge that comes up with people in, in their walk and it, it was a challenge for me until I had teaching on it and a revelation from God is People think hope and faith are the same thing, but they're not. And actually, in a lot of circumstances, hope can be the enemy to fear. And I know you're wondering, what does that mean? Well, think about it with me. When people hope for something, it's like I say, I hope someone walks through that door and hands me a million dollars. I hope that I get an A on my test, even though I didn't study or take time to prepare. I hope I get a promotion at work, even though I show up late and don't do what the boss tells me. See, hope doesn't have an expectation or an action behind it. The Bible says you have to have faith to please God, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith without action is dead. So you have to have action and faith to please God, right? You have to take an action, and that's what expect expect expecting is. Expecting is. <laughs> that's what expecting is. Expecting, think about the stock market. I don't know anything about the stock market, but I know this analogy, so I know you'll get it. If you're expecting the stock market to go down, you're going to do something different. If you're expecting it to go up, you're going to do something different, right? So when you're expecting something, you take action. If you're expecting it to rain, you roll your car windows up, right? So expecting is what it's about. And this, this past, these passages I want to read, the first one I already read to you, really will get it to where what you expect is what you get. It's not what God has to offer. It's what you expect he has to offer. Because the very next chapter, just a few stories down the road, I'm going to read in Mark 6, verse, starting in verse 4. And this story is about when Jesus went back home to his home, Nazareth, and people didn't really believe on, like, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his sisters and brothers still live with us? And he says he's from a virgin, but we all really know the story that happened there. And they didn't really believe that he was a son of God. They didn't have faith that he was a son of God, and they weren't expecting anything. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went around the villages in a circuit teaching. See, there's a big difference in someone giving all they had, diving through the crowd and touching the hem of his garment and being healed immediately. And some people not expecting anything that he, Jesus, the son of God the one and only miracle worker, could do no mighty work. Now, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what happened? Was this just a one-off thing that she got healed? Well, I can prove to you that 
touching the hem of his garment isn't a one-off thing because in the same chapter, Mark 6, if we read the very last story in verse 53, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gesentart, anchored their anchored there, and when they had came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry out on beds those who were sick to whatever they were they heard he was. Wherever he entered the villages, cities, and country, they laid their sick in the marketplaces, begged him that they might they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. So you see Jesus healed somebody from them having faith and taking action in their faith and touching them. The next story, no one was healed. He couldn't do any mighty works besides the person he laid his hands on. And then it happens again. So it isn't a one-off thing. So I want you to get what you expect is what you get. You see, talking about the hope thing, if you, if you, just, if you have to have faith, I was at a church camp, and we did this thing called a trust fall. And if, does everybody know what a trust fall is? There's like a platform about this tall, and you climb up on it, and you hold your hands and fall back and hope that people, you don't hope that people catch you. You expect the people to catch you. I promise you, if I just hoped that they were going to catch me, I wouldn't have got up there and done it. Because I did see a few people drop, but no one really liked them. So there was a reason they got dropped. But most people liked me, so I was expecting them to catch me. But I took action in that, and I had faith that they were going to catch me. So what you expect is what you get. And the last story I have to emphasize this is one of my favorite stories in Daniel chapter 3. And it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And the encounter of God that they had was the fire. I want you to think that's the encounter, that's the time that God came down and his presence was there like we're going to have at the end of this service. And at least six people, there could have been more, but at least six people met that encounter and there was different outcomes. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were expecting life. They were expecting to see the life. And when they met the fire, that's what they got. The soldiers who had them bound and carried them were expecting them to die. They were expecting death. So when all of them met the fire... They got what they expected. Who was expecting life got life. Who was expecting death got death. So today I want you to be expecting. Turn to your neighbor and say, you get what you expect. The next part of this is the encounter. You have to have the encounter. That's the time when God stands, God touches you and takes you whatever addiction, sickness, disease, depression, anxiety, whatever you're stuck in, this is the time where Jesus reaches down, grabs you, and pulls you, and sits you on the rock, right? So I also want to read in Acts 9, starting in verse 1, and this is about Apostle Paul when he was still Apostle Saul, or Saul on the road to Damascus. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were there of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and answered the voice, saying, "Heard the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" He said, "Who are you, Lord?" Then the Lord answered, "I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads?" So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing their voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, where he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. 
the people that had encounters, if, you talk, if you're thinking about the woman of issue of blood and, the woman, and Paul, they were both hungry. And as we sing that song today, I'm hungry for a mighty move of God. That's the key to getting your encounter, to getting your encounter. You have to be hungry. If you look at the story of Paul, you think of Paul was just some evil man. But if you really think about it, Paul was doing all he could do to please God. Paul was a Jew and he was raised a Jew. He was killing Christians because he thought they were going against the right religion. He was so hungry for God, he was killing people. If you're killing people, you're hungry for whatever you're killing them for, right? When you're really hungry, people kill people to eat them, and that's called cannibalism. So if you're hungry for something, you will start killing people. So Paul was actually hungry for God, and when he was in his most hungry time, he was going out trying to kill as many people as he could from corrupting his religion that he was part of. That's when God met him on that road. And the same with the issue of blood. Did you know in the Jewish culture, when that lady was there, to have an issue of blood, you were condemned You were condemned unclean, and you weren't allowed to be in the public. If you were caught in the public, it was punishable by stoning and death. But it said for 12 years, she spent all that she had and put all that she had in physicians, but still wasn't any better. She was so hungry that she was giving it up to die. Like Revelation said, they wouldn't renounce their life even to death. That's how hungry she was. She was so hungry for a touch of God that she gave all that she had. You imagine being sick for 12 years, how weak you were? how weak you are. Some people are sick for two days and they can't crawl out of bed. Imagine being 12 for, sick for 12 years, having to go through the people, m- thousands of people around Jesus, and she's weaving her way through and diving just to touch the hem of his garment. Aren't you glad today it's a lot easier? Jesus isn't on earth, but he's in heaven, but he can be anywhere, so it's easier to touch his garment. So today, when the opportunity is given to you, are you that hungry? Are you hungry for a touch of God? Are you hungry to draw on his healing power that as soon as you touch it, immediately you're healed from your faith? Not from him, because we know he can heal. We've seen it time and time again. It's from your faith. Are you expecting to get healed? So I want you to say to yourself, I'm hungry. Now, when you have this encounter, the thing, that encounter changes with you. It'll flip your whole world upside down and change the way you look at things. Look at the stories I've been telling. Paul, when he had that encounter, God touched him so hard that it knocked the, P, the S off his name and stuck a P on it. When you get hit with God that hard, that's what happens. So if some people start changing names, you know they had a touch of God. But the woman of issue of blood, her whole world changed. She didn't have to waste her money. Daniel, the story in Daniel with the three Hebrew boys, that king went from killing anybody who worshipped that God to killing anybody who didn't worship that God. Now, that's a change, isn't it? Their whole world got flipped upside down, and Paul started looking at things differently. He started looking at, okay, how can I kill as many Christians to how can I create as many Christians? And I think when you have that encounter, you'll start seeing the world differently. You won't won't start seeing church as a religious obligation, but you'll see it as a time and an opportunity to get in the presence of God. Come in here, get on fire, and go out to the world and be the light to them. And so today, I hope that you're expecting for the encounter. And I think probably the most important thing is after the encounter, you get the empowerment. And I think this is a part where if you think about the story of Legion, does everybody know the story of Legion? He was bound with thousands of demons, and Jesus came to him, and he came and kneeled at his knees, and Jesus rebuked all the demons and sent them into pigs. But after that, Legion was so bound that they couldn't keep chains on him. They couldn't get cl- keep clothes on him. So I don't care how bound you think you are. All of you have clothes on, I hope. So you're not as bound as Legion was. But just one encounter with Jesus 
set him free and empowered him, the Bible says he begged him to stay with Jesus. So when you have that encounter, you'll want to stay in his presence. You'll want to read his word every day. You'll want to pray every day. You won't want to fall for the same temptations of going to parties and drinking and falling into temptation. When you have that actual encounter with God, it'll change your life for the better, that you won't fall for the same things you used to fall for, but it'll change you and say, I want to stay with Jesus. And the next thing it will do is Jesus said, no, I need you to stay here and go preach my word. So from going from scaring people away to having nothing to do with it, he ran throughout the surrounding region preaching the gospel that he had. So when you have the true encounter, you get brought out of the stuff you were in, and you get sat on the rock, and Jesus tells you, go and tell. And you have this burning inside your bones, like the Bible says, a burning shut up in your bones, like the old prophet said, and you have to get it out. That's what happens when you have that encounter. And the same thing with the woman at the well. When Jesus told her, give her a word of knowledge and said, you're, you're living with a man and you've had five husbands before that. She went out and preached the gospel, right? You see it time and time again throughout the Bible. That, that's what happens. Is when you have an encounter with God, you get brought out of what you're in. And you go out wanting, having burning desire to preach the gospel and to witness. And I want to close with this story. There was a couple and their name was Jacob and Beth. And they're going to this dimly lit place with a bunch of ancient artifacts. And that place was called Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and I love Cracker Barrel, don't get me wrong. I love when you sit there, but I just don't like to get the sea underneath the manure spreader. And when you're eating and you're like, did I put extra pepper on my biscuits and gravy or just stuff falling? But So you got to ask to get out from that sea. You don't want to sit underneath the manure spreader. But I want to tell you, this is an actual story. We went into Cracker Barrel, and I sat down, and I was looking at their advertising things on the table, and I saw this thing called Strawberry Cheesecake Pancakes. And I was like, I'm going to get those. I love strawberries, I love cheesecake, and I love pancakes, so it's a win-win-win. So I asked the waitress, I said, hey, are these Strawberry Cheesecake Pancakes good? And she's like, and they're kind of rich. And I'm like, and I don't really care, I'm still getting them. So, we get them, and I was, I was craving them so much. I was expecting them to be so good that I was like, I'm going to get them, and we'll have this as an uh, appetizer, and then I'll get another uh, country fried steak, and you can get your fish or whatever you want. I promise you, she brought that out. She sat it down, and in 30 seconds, it was gone. I promise you. That's how good it was. The encounter I had with that was so magnificent that it was gone. I was dipping it in the strawberry jelly, shoving it in my mouth as fast as I can because I knew Beth liked it as much. And if I didn't eat it fast enough, she was going to get more of it than I was. So I was eating it as fast as I can. But many of you already know this story because what I'm going to tell you next is after I had that, for the next two weeks, anybody I came in contact with, I was telling about the strawberry cheesecake pancakes. The first thing I got out, I texted both my family group chaps. I said, I said, hey, have you guys had the Cracker Barrel new pancakes? And they're like, what are those? And I think my sisters had them, and they said they were really good. And then, like, anybody I was having a conversation with at work, like, a guy was asking me to dig a pond. Like, before I dig this pond for you, have you had the strawberry cheesecake pancakes? <laughs> like, I'm not going to dig a pond for you unless you've had these pancakes and see how good they are. But, see, I want the church to be like Cracker Barrel. I want you to come in expecting, knowing I love the presence of God. I love worship. I love Thanksgiving. I love the touch I can get from his presence. And having that expectation and then having that same sweet encounter that I had with that pancake. But it's going to be a lot better than the pancake, I promise. Because it's going to be eternal. Because if you make that your decision based on eternity instead of what your stomach wants, the decisions are way more uh, valuable.
And then after that, the empowerment. I was empowered to go out. I promise you Cracker Barrel sales went up 50% the next month because I was telling everybody about Cracker Barrel. I promise you that it went up. And then the people I told, they were going to eat it. They were going to tell people. So that's how the, sp the spread of the gospel is. You have an encounter with God. You get empowered. And you have to tell people about it. But without that encounter, you're like the people without any stones. Whatever you need a stone for today, if it is this cornerstone and you need salvation today, or if it is being baptized in the Holy Spirit, because every believer needs to have, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, the number one gift to the world is salvation. The number one gift to the church is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're just, you're just a weak Christian waiting for the devil to slap you around, to be honest. Because without the Holy Spirit, you can't really step on the devil as much with the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because... I've done both lives, I've lived both lives, and going to the altar and crying out and being saved time and time again, but when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get the power, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost and power, and if it's healing, if you have something in your body that you need to be healed from, God wants to heal you, it's his will, his will to heal you, the Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed, if you were healed, you are healed, if you are healed, you need to be healed, Right? If he already healed you, you, already heal, you, you need to be healed, and that's his will. But the devil is going to come up and try to steal that from you. But it's by your faith you're made well. And so by closing, I want everybody to stand to their feet and every head bow and every eye closed.